Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, love, what's the story? Well. Well. Great day for the washing. Hey. Come here to me. Will you meet me, me? Will you shift my friend? Irish, stop. I will, yeah. I'm a buzzy man. You gowl. But Jesus, tis your man. Tis yourself. Hello, 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 hello. How are you doing? What is the story? What's the crack? Connors a thought. Who? Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast. Tis yourself and tis myself. Nicola Barden is my name and I'm the host of this little podcast I've just started. You are listening to my first episode. Yeah. Um, very excited, very, very, very nervous, very much nervous, um, probably more so than excited. But here's hoping that you like it. Eek. Um, I'm currently sitting in my bedroom talking into my microphone uh, as, you know, these days things aren't done in studios. They're done on Zoom and they're done in your bedroom with my dog sitting behind me on the bed, hoping that she doesn't decide that now is a good time to start barking. Um, you'd probably hear my dogs throughout the podcasts squeaking of their balls, someone calling their name. This is just this is just real life, lads. I, I can't edit everything. <laughs> If you are listening to this, I'm assuming you're a friend of mine or that you're one of my family. Um, but if you're neither of those things, this is amazing. I've reached somebody who doesn't come from, you know, <laughs> from my own circle. And I really appreciate the fact that you are listening to this. Um, so a little bit about myself. If you don't know me, um, I am a journalist and a former radio host here in Dublin, in Ireland, obviously, because this is an Irish podcast. Um, and... I used to have a podcast called The Weekend Buzz. It was basically episodes of my radio show, which was on Q102. And that is still online, by the way, if anyone wants to go and check it out, if you like what you hear today and you want to hear some old episodes. Um, but after the show ended on radio, I basically straight away said I just loved talking to people, to interesting people, to famous people, to just normal people to kind of everybody about their story because we all have one we all have a story and want to get behind what I suppose everybody knows about about you already so the whole premise with this podcast is that I don't have any notes I have no notes here nothing to refer to I know obviously each guest I'll know something about them and we start off every podcast by asking how the person is known so if they're a singer just a singer you'll say oh you're you know you're a singer but if you're an actor perhaps I'll know them from EastEnders whereas you might know them from 
curry. <laughs> it's the only thing that could come to my head there. Um, you know, different people relate to know people from different things. And, you know, then there's the multi-talented who are across different things. So, of course, um, you could be a singer and an actor, etc. So, we just start off by asking how people know them best. And from there, we just let the conversation flow. And series one, we've got, I've got six episodes recorded so far. You've got two of them are being released this weekend. Yes, I'm releasing two because it's, you know, it's the first weekend. And I just said, you know what, two for the price of one. Uh, and then we've got some, we've got four more in the bag and I am hoping to get at least 10 for se- season one and got some very exciting people coming up different people. I wanted to get different voices, different types of voices. And of course, if there's anyone that you'd love to hear, do message me. I am now on Instagram, tis yourself. And also Gmail, you can get me and the email is well, tis yourself at gmail.com. So uh, that's all one word. Uh, so listen, let's get started. Um, you know, there's only so much of talking to myself into the microphone and staring at the same four walls I've been staring at since last March that I can do. So I'm going to let you have a little listen to one of my first two episodes. If you are listening to this, you have listened, you have decided to press play on Brendan Lawler. So Brendan is someone that uh, I would have known from, I would have heard about from my hometown. So originally I'm from Mullingar, uh, moved to RD in County Louth then when I was um, about 11 and I now live in Dublin. (laughs) So, you know, a bit of a traveler around the way. But um, back home where my family live in in RD, uh, we would have heard a lot of Brendan. He played golf in the golf club there. And then he started to make a really big name for himself in disability golf. And then he was snapped up by none other than Niall Horn and his golf management company, Modest. So already within a couple of years of since I first heard of him, he's making huge waves. He's leading the path for disability golfers, disability athletes, getting the name out there, showing that he could be a great advocate for the sport and for people who want to get into it, and for people who have a disability to show that there is more to them than their disability. So I really wanted to talk to Brendan. And the reason I've chosen his episode today is because today is his birthday. Today, March 13th is his birthday. And you will hear in the episode him him talking about a fundraiser he has been doing. So I spoke to him the day before it started um, and it actually finished yesterday in time for his birthday. So the fundraiser is for Crumlin and you'll hear all about it. Listen, let let Brendan take over here now and uh, see what you think of the chat. I never even heard of it this time last year and now it's just like zoom, zoom, zoom. Every, every phone call is a zoom call. <laughs> you're like, who do I have to get dressed up for? Who do I have to, you know, have a good background for or whatever? <laughs> how, how important is your guest? You're just trying to judge the person. <laughs> exactly. It's like... <laughs> oh, no, it's all good. It's all good. How are you keeping up through all lockdown? Sarah? All right. Yeah, I think we're we're probably all go through the emotional roller coaster the same. Like, yeah, I had a week last week where I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody. And then this yeah. week's a good week. But, you know, same as yourself. Like, how have you been coping? I'm just trying to, like, I'm trying to keep as much a routine as I can. Like, I hate, I can't sit down, can't watch TV. So I'm either going for five, 10K walks or I'm in the garden or I'm working in the family business. So I'm constantly doing something, which is keeping the head right. Yeah, and that's you just have to keep doing stuff because if you sit down and have more time to think, you're gonna your head's gonna be fried. 
that's it like I am not like I love a good day of watching telly but like once a week maybe on a Sunday when you're hungover or like you know you've been working all week yeah. and like I just want to chill but I don't like to do it every day I haven't I don't know how people sit around all the time yeah and there's people doing this when no COVID is going on that's what I don't understand yeah I feel guilty even though like if I sit and watch three episodes of a show now I'm like right I better do a 5k walk and yeah. I shouldn't feel guilty but I just have a, a you know yourself when you've been so busy for so long you can't just not be busy exactly yeah it's mental it's mental well I really appreciate you coming on and doing another zoom <laughs> with no, me it's all good it's all good no problem at all I like the podcast basically we don't with just a chat like and um you know to hear all about you and about your life and you know I've obviously heard of you before but um to anyone who doesn't know who you are um tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so I'm Brendan Lawler and I'm a professional disability golfer with a condition called Ellis Van Crevel syndrome so it's a shorter limbs shorter fingers shorter arms and shorter legs and um I was born with a hole in my heart as well which had to get a VSE repair at six weeks old, which was quite life threatening and uh, was pretty was pretty on the edge pretty early on. So there was a lot of barriers I had to come over. But ever since that, like I took anything that came in my path, I sort of took it head on. Mm. Went to school as any normal person would, played sport like any normal person would, and uh, just lived a pretty normal life. And it's been great. And when you say, you know, went to school as any normal person was, you do have, we do hear from a lot of people who have disabilities that school is quite hard for them. You know, yeah. you're seen as different as, you know, your schoolmates. Was that like that for you or what was it, your experience like? Not so much in primary school because you're not, I wasn't a whole lot different to mm. the likes of five, six year olds. I was a wee bit smaller, but it wasn't noticeable. So growing up, I, I made my friends group quite early. So when I was five and six and I grew all the way through primary school with that friends group. So they never saw me any different. Things just went on normal. Mm. And then came to secondary school and my, my parents didn't worry about me going to secondary school. Like I was bait. I was four foot 11, short guy going into a school full of boisterous men. <laughs> yeah. that just might give me crap. So, um, I saw that I always had a personality where people gravitate, gravitate towards and um, sort of went into a big room of people and just was myself and people just sort of gravitated towards me and instead of looking at me as bully material, they looked at me as a friend and that, I think that's more, that's something in me, it's a, it's a power or something or it's a good attitude to have because um, it could have been a horrific six years in school or embrace it and love what you do. And um, that's what I did. I made friends pretty early. And I said to myself, if I can make friends early, I'm going to have a pretty good six years in school. And to be honest, I wasn't keen. I, I wasn't, a, I hated school. I wasn't very academic. Um, missed a lot of school with illness. I had a lot of knee operations, a lot of dentist operations. Um, missed a lot of probably first and second year, I missed a lot of school. And it was a case where I probably should have held back. But my mum and dad were always, always looked at me as being happy. They didn't care about grades. They didn't care about this. They didn't put pressure on me to perform in school. They just wanted to be, to be comfortable in my own skin. I was lucky because a lot of parents are very focused on grades and focused on 
pushing their children on to reach certain goals. But my parents' goal was for me to be happy, and that was that was the most important thing. It's funny because my mom would be the same. It was never a case of pressure. You didn't get an A or, you know, whatever. And weirdly, it made me, I didn't really like school. I liked the social aspect of it, but I wasn't really a big school fan, same as yourself. But I, it made me not feel the pressure. And then if I did something and achieved it, I got the buzz. I wasn't feeling, why didn't I do better? And that kind of stuff. And that's obviously your parents went down the same route as well. Yeah, like, um, <clears throat> as I said, it just wanted me to be happy. When I was in fourth year, that's when the golf started sort of come along. But they always wanted me to have control. Like they wanted, they wanted me to be happy in school, but they didn't want me to take time off pulling sickies around them. If I was being dedicated, I had to be dedicated. Mm-hmm. Then the golf was coming in, and like I played every Wednesday, so I took a day off school every Wednesday in fourth year. So Ty is the last year, but I could have easily said, right, I'm not going in at all. I'm going to focus on golf for the year. But mm. they didn't let that happen. They wanted me to still push on and um, be as academic as I can because it's all a learning curve. And if things never went well in the golf, at least you had your leaving cert to fall back on. And, and that's huge. If I did, they didn't mind if I got A's or D's. They just wanted me to complete the process. And that was their main, main goal, really. And when you say golf came in, how did that like happen? Is that something that somebody introduced you to that you kind of, you know, randomly came across? Or how did it happen? Uh, I played pitch and putt for years, so I was I was playing um, on like all Ireland teams, Leinster teams at the age of eleven. It was just it was stuff was never it was unheard of. But um, I won my first junior All Ireland at thirteen, and then I won a Leinster at fourteen. So when you reach sixteen, you're in the juvenile grade. Mm. So I was into the adult grade, and then I won my first All Ireland that year in the adult grade. So. I sort of, I was at a stage where I've, I've reached sort of the peak at pitch and put. Yeah. And you couldn't earn a living off it either. You're going to Cork, you're going to Limerick, all these lovely, lovely places, but it's under your own pocket. You're uh, going with your family. It's a great thing to do. Really enjoyed it. But it's time to start making a living somehow. So I was introduced to golf by my granddad. I was uh, 16, quite late getting into golf. People that play are usually in it at like four and five yeah. Getting the fundamentals and you see Rory McIlroy playing as a kid, that video of him, like, and he was tiny little lad. Just a young prodigy, like. Yeah. And uh see, I was always smaller and I didn't think I would have had the distance to sort of keep up. Mm. But then guys are keep up with my peers, most importantly. At 16, I joined RD Golf Club, uh-huh. where you're from. <laughs> and then joined RD and they were so welcoming. They were lovely, lovely people. Uh I got started off with a handicap of 28, got it down to 15 the first year, and then they introduced me to the junior teams, so the under-18 teams. So that's when I saw I knew that, right, I sort of have talent here. I can play this game. So um, love that, played with the best guys ever, made friends from it. We were probably the strongest under-18 Monarch team in Louth. We were quite strong. Just this game, loved it. And pl- started playing quite... When I was 18, I was off too. So I got down quite quickly. In two years, I got down to single figures. Started playing amateur golf. So I'm still playing able body golf till this stage. And then when I was 19, my auntie found disability golf. And she asked my mams, like, would Brendan ever consider playing disability golf? And at this stage, I was playing quite high level in amateur. Playing like... 
amateur events all over Ireland, uh, playing with local teams. Uh, went to Darren Clark Golf School on a golf scholarship. So mum was just like, we never treated him any differently from day one. So how would you, how would you react from us maybe saying, right, you have a disability here, do you want to play disability golf? So mum asked me one day out of the blue, would you ever consider playing disability golf? He said, yeah, like it's, it's a road I could go down. I was always up for trying new things. So I said, I'll see how it is. So I went to my first disability golf event in November 2019, I think it was. And it was the biggest eye-opener I've ever got. It was people with cerebral palsy hitting 300 yards, people on one leg shooting level par. Some of the most ridiculous things you'd ever see that you would never see in a normal golf course. And uh, I came forth in that event, became very complacent of my peers, of how good these guys were. I was the cocky Irish boy coming in thinking that these guys weren't up to no good and they were just off the charts talented like. And uh, biggest learning curve I ever learned from a disability golf event. And I like to know what I have to do to sort of kick on and, and try and win events. So came forth in that event, got a massive eye opener of how good these guys were, but also how much of an inspiration they were too. Mm. And the aspect of inspiration and trying to win is two different things and you have to support them at the right times. So I knew I had to do that. So I came to Detroit Trophy. It was my second event on tour. And I won it by 10 shots. It was, uh, I just had a different sort of mentality going in here. Yeah. I always had, I was very competitive. I don't go to come second. I go to win. Like I'm very, <laughs> very competitive. But uh, I also, I love promoting the game though. I love promoting disability golf, all aspects of it. But when I go to an event, I'm not there to take part. As Conor McGregor said, I'm there to try and win. That's that's really it. So I went to try a trophy, won try a trophy, went to Germany two weeks later, won Germany. And then I went to the inaugural Scottish Open on the European Tour and won that. So I was on a really, really quick pro- progression in disability golf, free tour number two, pretty quick. And uh, then the opportunities came from the European tour. Keith Pelly started giving us chances to play on the European tour. And, and that's, that's where it really took off. Wow. Like, and to think that, you know, your aunt, and this is probably a common trait that you'd probably know with having a disability. People are afraid to say the wrong thing. So your aunt saw that, knew it was something yes. that was great for you, but was nearly afraid to say it. And to think that if she had been afraid to go to your mom about it or your mom was like oh no let's leave it you might never have gotten that and we don't really know where your career would be now exactly yeah like I was I was coming out of school at 18 just a normal 18 year old not knowing what was next what chapter was next and you sort of you're in a you're in a stage of your life where what is next mm. like I had no clue and my mom always had a saying of what's for you won't pass you so sort of your your road is mapped out and things will happen for a reason and all that sort of stuff so uh, no, it's a, as, as you said there, if, if Anne never mentioned it to mom, I, I'd be working in the family business, maybe just selling furniture, office furniture and not, not pursuing my dreams. So I'm very, very lucky to be able to do what I do. And I love it. And for you, was it apart from like the obviously the obvious when you went in and noticed the talent that the uh, you know disability golf had? Was there other differences between what you'd been playing in the, as you say, able bodied golf and then what you were going into? 
Yeah, so the standard in everybody golf in Ireland at top amateur level is pretty, pretty high. Like, really, really, really good players. The standard at disability golf events is really, really high, but on a much smaller scale. Right. So you might have 10 unbelievable disability golfers at an event, but you can have 50 unbelievable golfers at an Irish event, if you get me. Yeah. So, so the level is the same, but the broadness of the level is different. So uh, that's what we're looking for. We're looking to drag more and more people into the game, more ladies into the game, all aspects of golf, because we are planning on a world tour by 2021 and we need the numbers. We need more people into the game, all types of disabilities, mental disabilities, uh, physical disabilities. We're accepting the EDG are accepting everybody in and putting everyone under the one tree and we're representing inclusion and, and it's just, it's fantastic. That is fantastic because there's so few sports that you could say nearly everybody can try. Like you're saying, men, women, all different disabilities, nothing is holding you back. If you can do it, you can go for it. Yeah. Like even uh, I signed a management team called Modest Golf and their message, they just send out such a strong message about everything. Uh, I signed with them the last two years and never treated me any differently. I was a disability golfer going onto the roster alongside Leona Maguire, alongside Terrell Hatton, like the best golfers, mm. male and female in the world. And you're feeling, am I out of place here? But they manage people so well, they don't make you feel out of place. They make you feel a part of the family and they do everything they can do to try and keep you going in your career. And they, they don't ignore you in one bit. They just, they're so, so good. And this year at the ISP Hand the World Invitational, presented by Modest Golf, there is a, a male and female event for the same prize money, which is unheard of as well. Wow. So that's ladies and males playing for the same opportunities. The girls will be off their own tees, the male will be off their own tees, but they're playing for equal prize money. And, and that's a step where it should have gone a long time ago because females are amazing athletes as well. And it's the likes of Modest and ISPS Handar we need guys like this to push out the message that lady golfers and lady athletes should get the same chances and opportunities as male. And you know what? Like, I know people say things are changing and, you know, and, and as a woman, I can see, you know, there's more people going to, you know, let's say the ladies GA and stuff like that. But it takes ages for that to trickle down. Like, you, yeah. need a, you need the dubs to be in the GA final nearly or Cork to get the crowds there. We want it to be at a stage that no matter who's in the final that you're going. Um, and then, yeah. but what you do need before that is the quality players and the quality players are only going to go if the money is there. Yeah, like that's human nature. I think you need to put your best foot forward and promote and highlight the best mm. for that to funnel down. It's the exact same with disability golf because the best 10 in the world are getting chances on the European tour to do the showcase. But then from 11 down are looking at us saying, what's going on here? Like, why are you getting the chances? And we're trying to say, well, it really has to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. If we're not promoting this in the world stage, it's never going to funnel down. So I count myself lucky that I'm an advocate and, and a, a spokesperson for disability golf. We're just, as I said, we're trying to get more people into the game, because the more people we get into the game, the more opportunities and chances we're going to create for others. And uh, that's the message we're trying to send out. And being an advocate, it, it is a lot of pressure because sometimes you just want to be like, I just want to play and I don't want to have to 
make a stand because I'm, you know, I'm disabled or, you know, I have a disability, sorry. And yeah. sometimes you're like, I just want to be me or whatever. But then without people like you, it won't progress. So it's kind of like catch 22 in a way. Yeah. Um, I don't mind the word disability or disease, like disability golfer. It's, mm. it's not an insult because I've been asked this question so many times saying, like, do you not get insulted like you're playing on the European tour but as a disability golfer? And I reply and be like, if I was just Brendan Lawler, I wouldn't be playing on the European tour. I am Brendan Lawler, Lawler the disability golfer that is doing fucking ridiculous things that no <laughs> one else can do. And that's the reason I'm there. I'm a really good golfer, but if if I didn't have disability golfer at the end of my name, I wouldn't be getting these opportunities hmm. because I'm doing things that are very unnatural that people wouldn't see a normal event it's it's ridiculous like people some people get offended by the word but I, I think it drives me on it, mm. it gets the opportunities for me to promote the game on, on the beautiful world stage and also I played my first European tour event this year mm. at the Belfry as a normal pro I wasn't Brendan Lawler disability golfer I got the chance to play as a normal pro and you wouldn't believe the amount of professional golfers that come up to me and talk to me as the normal professional. Didn't mention the disability word, just come up to me and talked about poor setup. Talked about how you find your week, your first year, your first European tour event. That was beautiful. Like that mm. made me feel at home, made me feel normal, made me feel like I belonged. Like I'm walking on the same fairways as Ernie Els, Rory McIlroy, Shane Larry, names that I would dreamt of as a kid like to be even talking to and now you can call him a friend you can text him up the odd time and it's just it's mental the chances that just arise the last few days or few days few years I think when people are probably afraid they're going to offend people and that's probably why they ask about you know the, are you offended by the disability they're afraid to ask the questions it's all about education I suppose and you're okay with it and that's yeah. that's why it's okay to ask you these questions because you are okay with some people aren't and maybe yeah. they're not open to answering or being known for yeah. their disability yeah 100% like yeah I've always been comfortable in my own skin hmm. always but as you said some people aren't and some people might get offended but to be able to represent this message on a world stage you have to be comfortable you have to be able to take slack you have to be able to look at comments on Facebook saying why is he there that can affect you. That doesn't affect me. I drive off that. I love it. I'm like, I'm there, you're not. What the fuck? Why are you slagging me for? <laughs> yes, I love it. On. But there is, there is resentment there. Like, there's people saying, oh, what's that four foot guy doing there? And, and I'm not. And it just is what it is. I can't answer them questions. And I'm just doing my job trying to push the message on to bring more people into the game. I'm trying to scrape out the path for others, not just myself. Mm-hmm. I'm getting amazing opportunities and I can't thank people enough for the chances I'm getting, but I'm always out to help others. I'm always out to make that pathway for people to follow in my footsteps and get the sponsorships, get the Adidas tailor-made deals, all that sort of stuff. It's it's going to funnel out for a lot of people. Yeah, and you know what? Like people are going to, they're saying that about you, right? They're going to say that if a woman was in your position. They're going to say that if a person of colour is there. They're, but they're going to say yeah. it though as well if it's Mick from down the road. They're going to say, oh, why is someone from Mick doing it? It should be me. Yeah. People who are negative are going to be negative about everybody. And as you say, you can't just respond to those comments because otherwise no. it, you can. As I said, I, I love that. When I see them comments, 
my brother my brother's like he's 29 mm-hmm. but he loves following the journey and he'd be going through the mess it's like see what he, he said this he said that but they're more offended than I am yeah my, my brother and then my cousin would be looking up did you see what your man said it's like yeah like it doesn't bother me will you relax <laughs> and then sometimes they're replying I'm like oh will you stop you're embarrassing me now <laughs> <laughs> You're but, like, look, uh, look who I'm hanging out with this week. Me and Darren Clark. I don't care what this lad says about me. <laughs> but no, like you have to be comfortable in your own skin. I've met some amazing people down the road, and people look at my Instagram and see me with stars, but they don't realize the hard work that goes in in the gym, yeah. on the course, multiple hours a week. The pictures on Instagram are the end goal, the end competition, the the hard work that's went on for hours before. I think that's important for people to know as well that it's not just all roses and happens yeah, overnight. Yeah. A lot of, lot of hard work goes in and a lot of backing from your family. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be in this position because they've um, financially supported me very, very much so through the, and still, but through the earlier part of my year, I couldn't thank them enough for what they've done for me, like for flights to events, for accommodation. It was tough. It was tough, but if it, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here today. So I love bringing dads my caddy. So the best Aww. thing about it all, he is uh, following me on the experience and seeing places we might never saw before. So he's pretty well traveled anyway, but he loves going and, and seeing me play golf and doing what I love to do. And it's nice to have him there too for, for the, the company. And it's also nice to have somebody who just knows you as you or doesn't know you just because of your, what you play or you know what you're an advocate for. He just knows you as Brendan and he's like, this is my son and I know that he needs to wash the dishes or, you know, whatever, <laughs> clean his room, but we can go and have a pint. And, you know, it's someone that you don't have to put on a facade for. You're having a crap day. You're just like, damn, my head is melted or whatever. That's the unbelievable thing about it. If stuff's going on in your personal life, you have him to talk to. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad have been very open from day one. So if I, if I had stuff going on, I'd tell them. And if I had a friend over and like golf is mental. So if you're, if you're about to go out on a Sunday and you're one shot behind or one shot in the lead and there's something annoying you on the back of your mind, you have to get it out. Yeah. And if I just had won the boys there, I, I might feel a wee bit embarrassed to tell the lads, even though I'm very openly with, with them. But as your father, you can really say anything to him mm-hmm. and get it all out. And then the next morning, he's your caddy again. That's gone. You're there to do a job. So... We had a few chats. There's uh, there's been a few times where he's become my dad on the golf course, and I'm like, here, you need to cut out of that because <laughs> <laughs> there is a balance. There's a uh, we're, we're both quite fiery, so if things aren't going well, I might f him off, and he'd f me off, but it finished there. And I'm like, you're, you're my caddy, you can't do that. I can say it to you, but you can't say it to me. <laughs> he's like, well, I won't say it now, but I'll say it when I get you home. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But no, we have a very good relationship. So it's great. I love what your parents seem to have done with you with the fact that they didn't treat you any different, but basically told you your goals in life are to be happy and they'll back you whatever you do. And that just doesn't apply just for people with disabilities. I mean, in general, there are so many parents, and we mentioned this, who put pressure on their kids. And for you, clearly your parents are like, yeah, you're a little bit different, but what? so what? Yeah, exactly. And that was from day one. I was, uh, I'm pretty well known in the local community. My dad was big into Gaelic football. He trained the Moctis. You know the Moctis? Oh, yeah. The Mock dad was the ladies trainer, underage, all the way up to senior. 
and then he took over the boys. So I was literally every training session I was with him playing football. So I grew up with a community that saw me as normal as well. So that really helped. And I could go to pubs in the village when I was 18, know people and not, not let that affect you. So that was a beautiful thing as well. Um, I love football too. I, I played it till I was 12 and then everyone outgrew me. So I had to stop. <laughs> I was getting oh God. <laughs> I was good too. I, I scored so many goals on the level. I was class. Oh, rage, and you're like, I could have been playing for Loud. You could have been the reason that Loud could go to the finals or could, you know, oh, win yeah. a game. <laughs> I think it'll take a lot more for Loud to win a few matches now. I know, but, you know, Mickey Hart is coming in now, so maybe this will be the year. <laughs> yeah, it might be. You never know. Uh, like, I think that's the thing about rural Ireland. I know, like, I don't mean like rural, like villages and towns in Ireland. If you're slightly different in any way, because the the town is small, they know you straight away. They know your mother, your yeah. father, your granny, your uncle. Everybody knows everybody's business, which isn't great all the time. You know, if you do need a community, it's there. It's an automatic community. Yeah, no, that's the beautiful thing. Like, Loud Village has been the most supportive. That like any time I put up a message on my Instagram, it's all Loud Village people that are texting in saying congratulations and. They're just such a lovely community. I've I've done I've done a fundraiser. I don't know if you've seen it on my Instagram, but I saw you're next... doing um a, the for Crumlin, isn't it? Yeah, Crumlin Hospital. So for the next ten days, starting tomorrow, I'm walking ten kilometers a day, uh, till the thirteenth of March is my birthday. So um, a hundred kilometers in total. Hopefully, we'll do a bit more. Mm. But it's just an aid, like so many great things has been happening for me the last year in such a hard year. Like I got the Adidas contract, I got um, TaylorMade, and I just want to give back. And I thought this was no better way to celebrate a 24th birthday where I spent a lot of time as a kid, what what their principles are to put smiles in children's faces and whatever I can do on my bit. And I felt I was never in a position to do so, even though it doesn't matter who you are, you can do a fundraiser. But I felt there was no better time than now to try and raise money for Crumlin Children's Hospital and it's very very close to my heart and close to my mum's heart as well when I told her I was doing it she actually got very emotional because yeah. it brought her back to months of me and her in the hospital tubes hanging out of everywhere and what they've done for me I'm, I'm alive here today because of them so I just wanted to show my appreciation whatever whether I raise a thousand or it doesn't matter how much I raise it's mm. going pretty I think it's on four and a half thousand already and I haven't wow. even started yet Jesus. so whatever I could do just to help them and and just maybe put a smile on one or two of them children's faces because if you have a problem and you go into that hospital and see some of them kids your problem is very 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 small yeah I've had family members that have been in their sisters and you know, you walk in with the worries of the world on your shoulders that when you're the person visiting or whatever, and then you walk through the wards and suddenly you're like, I'm never yeah. complaining about anything again in my life. Like it's it's awful. Like I've I've not been there since I was 18. I used to go, I go for a heart checkup every year. When you're 18, you're um you are I think I'm in the matter hospital now, you're mm. sort of pushed on. But I used to go in with man, but I was looking at these kids and I'd be coming home from school giving out all oh, I want a half day. Like, Jesus, I'm not going to be giving it again. Like, yeah, it's so, so awful to, to go in and see this. And I was just scrolling through my Instagram and I'm friends with Crumlin Hospital on. And I just said, this is, I just want to do this for them because what they've done for me and 
from a very young age and right up till I was 18 I've got knee operations I just wanted to give back and I felt it was a great time to do it I, I think it's amazing that you did want to do that because you're on a trajectory where you're obviously doing really well and things are going really well for you and a lot of people have tunnel vision during that time because it's what's next for me what am I going to achieve next whereas you're like hold on a second this is going really well for me who can I use this to help yeah and that's exactly what I wanted to do as I said I never thought I had the platform to promote something like this because not that I would be embarrassed if I set a goal for 5,000 and made one day. I'm not embarrassed about that. But now it just felt like the right time. I never done anything like this before. Things are going great. Like in such a tough year, I, I never thought any of my sponsors would sort of re-sign me. And, but the message we represent as disability golfers is so strong. I'm so passionate to promote it and uh, so grateful to all my sponsors for keeping me on this year so hopefully come April fingers crossed we can get back out and, and represent all these guys as best they can but this won't be the last charity thing either I'm going to do because you feel so good doing something like this I never felt so good the last two days seeing the local people from Loud Village have been absolutely incredible most of the donations have came from them and I'm like I felt really embarrassed asking people for money too in such a desperate time mm-hmm. I was like I'm asking people for money and it's definitely not the right time to ask for money. But people have texted me saying then their kids have been there and they've saved them. So all their messages are lovely too. I just, yeah, as I said, I thought it was a great thing to do. And hopefully, I I, I don't have a target in mind what I want to reach, but uh, hopefully we, we kick the 5,000 target and keep it going. Well, like if you're not even, you haven't even started yet and you're nearly there. So like, that's always a yeah. good sign. That's Yeah, like, exactly. That's amazing. And crumbling like there's probably parts of it you don't remember you're as you yeah. mentioned your parents will remember so much more they remember the bait when you were a baby and you were there and you know you probably remember the more when you were a teenage going for checkups and you know operations or whatever they're probably remembering the times the terrifying times yeah no they i don't really i don't like hearing them really because mm. i as hard as it was when i was young it was barriers i had to get over but i just i don't go back there as i said i want to keep moving forward mm. I want to help anyone that was sort of in the same situation as me but I'm me now I don't need to know of where I was or mm. I'm sort of here and I'm, I'm kicking I'm doing well I'm I'm happy and I don't want to be brought back to the times where I wasn't so um, yeah. my granny was a major influence as well she was um, when I was born I was told I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have hair I wouldn't be able to eat I wouldn't be able to drink um, Jesus. but one one evening my parents went to a football match or something and uh, my granny had me and I kept pulling the tube out of my nose because I was fed through my nose and she was like this is not he can't live his life like this it's desperate so she pulled the tube out and put a bottle down my throat and started to get me drinking so that was a major moment for them wow. so mom and dad can't thank my granny enough because if it wasn't for her either I don't think I would be doing the things I'm doing now so she was a major mate and she's still alive she's 80 she 88 so she's a legend and she's still she is just oh, I love her I go up there every probably three four times a week for not at the minute because of COVID but I go stand outside and say hello to her and it's just a tough time for old people at the minute mm-hmm. it's a bit it's desperate oh I know I 
the same as everybody you've got a grandparent that you're just like my granny got covid and you know you're just like feel so useless that you can't do anything because if your granny's sick normally you'd be like right sure how can i help what can i do or whatever and you can't do anything but i do laugh when i heard that story because it, it just such an irish granny thing to do they're like in my yeah. day there was no tubes so he'll be fine let's let's try yeah <laughs> no and then um my cousins as well like my brother Liam was huge like even growing up if I got shit in school he was behind me fighting my corner and I had younger cousins or I had the same age cousins Connor and Sinead Nadia so we were all getting minded by my granny at the same time mm. so that would have helped my progression as well because they would be busting me like we'd be fighting and everything and <laughs> I can't do anything about it I just have to get up and start fighting back so that was all I'm only appreciating all, all this now like yeah they really took me up and helped me progress in the person I am today I never really thanked them all for this but each interview <clears throat> I'm starting to talk a little bit more of things I remember about my family of I'm mostly starting to recognise the times that helped me and all they've done for me like it's been incredible and sometimes you forget to recognise that I'll be I'm so so focused on trying to get to the top you sometimes you forget about the people that helped you get there and that's one thing I'm not doing you've got such a good attitude I have to say Brendan with everything between the Crumlin between recognising the people who are around you that helped you because it's very easy to as I said have the tunnel vision and you're obviously wanting to bring them on your journey it's while it is your journey you're bringing them with you yeah yeah 100% because golf's a lonely game like you're yeah. out in them fairways on your own, sometimes going to all around Europe on your own. And that's what I mean, having dad there. You don't know, I don't know how lucky I am to have that support. Because there's people in a hotel room sitting on their phones all day doing nothing. Me and dad will go have a lovely meal. No drinks because I'm fully dedicated. We have a few Cokes and 7-Ups. <laughs> but if we do well that night, we'll go in a hard session. So, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, no, it's great to have them there. It's class. You're living your dream, but you also have the support with you. Yeah, exactly. And the beautiful thing is, like, <clears throat> in a disability calendar, it's not full. It's not like a European tour calendar where you'd be away 25, 26 weeks in the year. I might be away 15 weeks in the year. Mm. So it gives me time to get ready for events, but also have a social life. Yeah, And I have a girlfriend as well, so I can spend time with her. That's the most important thing. Because a lot of these guys have to take them on their journey. And I need to, she's a hairdresser, so I need to respect what she does too. Uh, she loves it. I don't want to drag her away from what she loves to do. And um, I'm very lucky to be in a position where I can go do my job, not be away for long enough and come home and still be the Brendan, the boyfriend, the best friend, whatever it is. I can, mm. I can try juggle everything. And that's what I'm doing at the minute. Well, it wouldn't be great for her either in the sense that if she was following you around all the time, there's a bit of resentment that kind of forms there because she is like, either I have to go with him or I don't see him if you were gone for months on end or whatever. And then she's yeah. missing stuff at home or whatever. And then you're kind of like, have your own yeah. life a little bit as well. So it's good that she has her own things going on. No, you have to have that. There has to be a balance. Like we started living together during COVID and uh, there has to be a balance. Like, because... Mm. What we do is, I'd be away, say, 15, 16 weeks in the year. My busiest time is, I have a four-week stint in November and December. So I'd be in Dubai for two weeks, then I'd fly to Australia. So what Rebecca does, we 
go to Dubai a week earlier, do the three weeks, and then she comes home. So we do that sort of two-week holiday, and then I go to Australia and she comes home. So it really splits up that four-week gap. So that's really, really nice. That is nice. And she gets a, a good holiday, obviously, but yeah. also it's a guaranteed. She knows you're going there. She knows months in advance and like she's all prepared for it. And then she comes home and a few weeks later you're back and it's Christmas. Like that's a good... And that's her busiest time of the year. Like December, she is out the door. Oh, so I'd love to get Rebecca out. to call around and do my hair, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Rebecca, what will you do with this? <laughs> yeah, she's good too. She's good. It is hard with everything that's going on, but how are you maintaining like golf levels and everything and training like I don't know what training goes into golf apart from you know playing quite a lot but COVID has the golf courses closed what do you do in that time yeah like it was pretty tough for the last few year it's Mm. been tough but it's been on and off so it's been open and the last few weeks um current house has been open the National Academy so that's open to professionals to go down and practice so at the minute, because I don't know when I'm playing, it's very hard to motivate yourself to put loads of hours in because you don't know what's next. Yeah. So I go down, I, th- I go down three times a week. I'm working in the family business two times a week and then I'm gymming three times a week too. So I'm scheduling all that around sort of a week plan. And also I'm doing five, six K a day anyway in the morning or the evening. So I'm staying active. Like I'm there. I'm probably, I'm trying to keep my schedule as busy as it'd be if I was, on the road so I'm constantly training myself to do things like that well you have to keep yourself as you said busy but you have to keep your head busy as well because yeah you're used to having a goal in mind and it's very hard when you don't have it's like all of us when you don't have a goal in mind or like something to look forward to it's very hard to kind of as you said motivate yourself like I was only laughing yesterday I was you know, I should do a workout as I ate chocolate, but I was like, I don't know when the country's open and I don't know when anyone's going to see yeah. me. So I can eat this chocolate. I need them to announce something. So I stop yeah. eating all the chocolate. <laughs> I know it's crazy. But um, we're actually, we live in the countryside and some lovely walks around where we are. And uh, I'm very like, when the weather wasn't great there, obviously you weren't getting out for as many walks, but with the weather being lovely now, I'll probably go for one in the morning and one in the evening and then juggle, practice, gym, work on top of that so I'm trying to fill my day sometimes I feel there's not enough hours in the day it's quite weird I'm trying yeah. to trying to have so I'm trying to fit so many things in I'm waking up earlier waking up at seven trying to do everything and uh, so a lot of people are the opposite they have too many hours in the day so I, I feel I tell myself lucky yeah too many hours is not a good thing it's a good thing once a week to have the day where you're like god I've the whole day ahead of me when it's yeah. every day it's very hard but you as a, a you know sports person, you need so much. You've so, you should be enjoying this downtime in a, in a sense as well, because in a few months you're going to be back on that schedule of the four weeks away, and you're going to be like, yes, yeah. yeah, big time. But it was also it was a time where things can be forgotten about. Like this, Billy Golf has has been has taken great strides in the last two years, but if it's not in the public eye, it's gone. Like no, it, it can be forgotten about. Yeah. So. I've been trying to do as much as I can by promoting through Facebook. I've op- I've started a YouTube channel trying to promote the game through that. So I've done little projects. Like it mightn't last. The YouTube channel might just go when I'm back playing. Yeah. But I've done little projects to sort of get me through and, and keep promoting the game in some sort of way. And that's why I'm continuing. Like people are, this Billy Golfer texts me saying, oh, are you busy? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking flat out here. I'm doing interviews every day. 
oh, I haven't done one. I said, yeah, but you're not promoting the game for your socials. You're doing nothing. Nothing's going to come if you don't do anything. Yeah. I said, you need to keep doing stuff for things to keep going. So I've just been active. I've, I've quite a business brain on me. I'm thinking of different ways to promote the game, promote myself, just keep everything active and in the forefront. So we're not starting from scratch when it comes oh, or when it comes to April when things are back open. I want the ball to keep rolling. I don't want to stop. Well, like that's the thing. A lot of people have the, the idea that things come to you. Things don't come to you until you've put in years of effort. Then things start coming to you. But it, it all, in any industry, in any career or whatever, you have to put the effort in. You have yeah. to self-promote yourself if that's what works in this. You have to put, like, I know at the start, these things are embarrassing. You're like, I don't really want to put a picture of myself up or a video or whatever because my friends follow me and they're going to slag me. But at the end of the day, your friends might like be like, oh, look at you. But they're also going to be the very people that will be at the front to support you when something. Oh, happens. yeah, 100%. Like the lads have been so supportive from day one. But they also see me as Brandon Lawler, just a normal guy. So that's what I love about it. And they're looking to get in the bag, caddy, go to events. So they're looking to make little trips out of this as well. <laughs> <laughs> they're dead right. I'd be doing the same. I'd be like, yeah, we... in a... can I go with you and Rebecca to Dubai? <laughs> yeah. We went to, um, I was home, it was COVID. Lockdown one was over. So me and the lads went up to La Hinch. Oh, and uh, we went to La Hinch and then we went to Galway. So we'd done a few... I think it was three days. So we played three days golf and went three nights out. So that was, that was some crack. So yeah. it was nice to do that. Sort of let the hair down. And that week, I got the call for the European tour event. So um, it was such a great week. It's class. Like that's what keeps you going. You're like, I've got my friends here and I'm a really good time. And then I get the call from the career that also is showing me that I'm going in the right direction. And yeah. In terms of like young guys and girls that are maybe they're really into golf, particularly, I suppose, the disability side, because that's what you're involved in. How do they go from just playing with their brothers and sisters to, you know, making this a career? Yeah, so first of all, join a local golf club in Ireland. Get your handicap sorted. The lovely thing about disability golf is you can be on any level. You don't have to be an elite. You can be just starting and you can still go. There's wheelchair categories. There's Stapleford, uh, Gross, Net. There's so many different categories where you can progress in disability golf. And that's the beautiful thing as well. When you go to the European disability golf events, you might have 50 people in each category. So you can constantly set goals for yourself to reach certain targets. And I think that's important for people. But if they go on to European Disabled Golf Association and contact a guy, well, they can contact me because I can give them all this information for a Zoom call. After the Belfry, I've had, I think, 40 or 50 Zoom calls with ladies, like even teenagers from Ireland that are struggling, want to get into the game and are texting me for information. What's this like? What's this like? And I love that because I'm helping them. They've seen me do something that they think they can do or will finally do it and have taken sort of a notice and an interest in it. And that's the message we're trying to put out. It doesn't matter if you have a disability or you're a girl, a boy, people still have the same passion to play the game. And there's so many targets and you can climb up in anything it's like a job you can climb your way up Brilliant. so basically yeah the European Disabled Golf Association there's a guy called Tony Bennett his email is probably on the website he will give you all the information about how to join if you struggle with walking you can get a buggy pass you're sorted in every way I generally don't take a buggy because I feel golf is all about the exercise and getting out for 
fresh air. Mm. But there's a lot of people out there that are missing limbs that need a buggy and uh, there's nothing wrong with it. So if anything, it's a bit, it's probably beneficial because it saves you shots because you're not as tired. Yeah. Yeah. Contact Tony Bennett and he'll give you all the information about trying to get into the game. And also for people that might be struggling at the minute, there's a wonderful book called Mulligan. There's 18 holes in golf. So this is a story of 18 people that have gone through trauma <clears throat> trauma in their life mm. or gone through something difficult and have crossed every barrier and now are competing on the world stage of disability golf. It goes through the whole whole journey. Mm. I think my I think my story's in it as well. But this is I'll just give you I'm probably waffling on now. You don't no, want to hear no, me. Keep going. But there's a guy called Emmanuel de Santos. He's a one-legged disability golfer. And he was top three for years. He was unbelievable. Still a really good golfer. He even played the JP McManus Pro-Am. His story, how he lost his leg, he signed a $5 million contract with Boston Celtics or something to play baseball. Mm. Don't know who it was with. He was sitting on the side of the road on his motorbike with his girlfriend. Had one leg on the bike and had one leg off it. And a car came spinning around the corner and out of control and took his leg off. Oh my God. Yeah. So that was absolutely crazy for him. So he could have been down in the dumps. So he went to hospital, lost his leg, but had an ambition and used golf as his rehab to get back into it, but fell in love with trying to get better. And now he's making a living from it. He was getting endorsed and all that sort of stuff. So there's beautiful stories in there. Wow. It just shows that it's all about mindset, isn't it? That oh, yeah. Mindset can get can open the doors for you because it, it's very easy to wallow and to be negative, and we all know that. And yeah, you negative thoughts, let them in for a day, think all the bad stuff, and then the next day get up and say, right, that's enough of that now. Clearly, yeah. that man could have, God, he could have bitched and moaned and yeah, given up on life, and he didn't. Yeah, and that's why I admire about these golfers. A lot of them go through bad times, like bad days, bad stuff here and there. But when they're out in that golf course, the smiles are from ear to ear they're enjoying what to do and that's the most important thing like disability golf you, you can be sh- the worst player in the world but it'll get you f- out for four hours meet new people make friends and take you away from your worries at home that you might be facing and that's the beautiful thing as well like these guys are strong like a lot of these I know these they're struggling at home whether they're in Spain France wherever they are but when they go to these golfing events and you talk to them after like Brendan I had shit it's three weeks there but I am here with everyone now playing in the lovely weather playing with some of my best friends and my head is just clear mm-hmm. and that is the most important thing it gives you a clear head and whether you like golf whether you're playing high level or not high level it's going to bring you out and clear the head yeah it's the one sport that you can be out for hours and hours and hours and not be completely exhausted but be in literally out in the sun out in the clouds whatever the weather is for hours on end and hours is there a better thing to be doing for your mental health than being outside no and I'm sorry I don't touch on mental health really much but in a time like this you need to Mm -hmm. you need to take inspiration from people that because a lot of people are struggling at the minute and they need to see people that have a positive attitude and sort of give them a road to go down to have a positive attitude Mm. and that doesn't require money it doesn't require anything like that it requires getting out into the fresh air, feeling good in yourself. Whether it's you change something about your appearance, you don't have to. But little, little things can change your mindset and your attitude and people need to learn that. Definitely. It's like we said, when you went into Crumlin and you suddenly realise, you know, your life isn't that bad after all. If you, yeah. When you're stuck in your room or in your house, 
it's very easy to just stay there. But if you walk for an hour, you come back and you're like, what was I moaning about? I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> you've got your music on or your podcast on or whatever. And you're like, geez, I can't remember what I was giving out about earlier. That's the thing. Like I'm having like guests on this walk now for the next 10 days. And uh, I have two little cousins called Grace and David. David's seven or, and Grace is 12 or something. But they love, they love the journey and Grace is the loveliest kid ever. This is just a reflection on her. We were at the World Invitational last year and I was playing with Niall Horn in the practice round. And there was thousands of girls there watching. And her 12-year-old listened to One Direction all her life. And Olive was like, do you want to line up and take a picture with Niall? Because there was a queue about six or seven girls waiting. She said, no, I'm, I'm here to watch Brendan. I'm not here to watch Niall. Oh, my and I was, God. I know. And like, that took me back. I was like, you're such a little legend. So they're going to be joining me on my walk this week. And um, I can't wait. They love it. They're so supportive and they're just wee legends. Well, Grace, you know, what a legend. Because yeah. who turns down the photograph at Nylhorn? So you obviously are a superstar higher than him in her mind. So. <laughs> no, uh, no Niall's a legend. Um, we've grown our relationship now the last two years. So he owns Modest Golf. Hmm. And uh, I think it's... Whoa, 2020, I saw, oh no, 2019, I signed Modest, giving me some of the best opportunities, treating me just like a normal person. And Niall is like, he texts me every week, see how I'm getting on. And he's just such a down to earth guy. And mm. even I think anyone that mentions Niall to me to see all the great things he's doing, whether it's for Hope Charity, whether it's for golf, whether it's for music, he's a very similar attitude to bringing people along with him and helping people out. So, it's nice to be in a stable that sort of supports the same morals you do. God, yeah, because we've all been in jobs where, you know, your beliefs aren't the same as what the the CEO has much has money in mind as opposed to inclusive, being inclusive and stuff like that. And it's great that modest have that mentality that they're like, yeah, yeah. no, let's not be like every other golf company. Let's break some barriers and be mm-hmm. the one that's leading the charge. Yeah, and that's what people admire them so much for because. As Niall said himself, at the start, a superstar starting up a business, it was hard to get players in because they didn't know if they were serious enough. Yeah. But it didn't take long for people. Like, Modest is only around five years. So it didn't take people long to realise Niall is the real deal. He's there to help people. He's there to bring them on. And uh, that's what he's done. Every, every one of the players in that stable has come on leaps and bounds ever since Niall's taken over them. So... And what he's done, he's changed my life as well. Like, give me opportunities that I never thought with their eyes. And ah, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm buzzing. So I'm looking to get back out now in April so I can stop talking and talking my <laughs> golf clubs. After all this talking, you'll get back out and they'll be like, how do I play again? I can't yeah, remember. I I've talked about it for long enough. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Brendan, it's been so lovely talking to you. I'm sorry I kept you so long, but it's just been... No, you're grand. You're grand. Lovely, you're a lovely fella with great goals in mind and also helping so many people along the way so thank you so much for chatting to me today no problem at all no problem listen you are a superstar and best of luck and I'll be uh, sure look I'll be following you anyway to see how you're getting on but thanks roll on (laughs) exactly thanks very much for having me on oh no I really appreciate you coming on I've always been fascinated by it so and obviously you're from down the road man I know I know and if anything else happens we'll talk about it again so hopefully it'll be a good year we have more to talk about can't wait to see what happens when everything starts opening up again. Nice one, nice one. Come here, have a good day anyway. And you I'll too. see you after. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. 
That, of course, is Brendan Lawler, disability golfer, loud man and great man. Um, I just had such a good crack chatting to Brendan. He's so open and honest, but also we had such a laugh as well and um, came off that podcast feeling really positive, feeling really good. And yeah, just I just know Brendan's going to do great, amazing things. I can't wait for things to start opening up again with COVID for myself, obviously, but also for Brendan. <laughs> for him to show everybody what he is made of. As you heard there, he talked about his fundraiser for Crumlin. If you can donate, as I said, today is his birthday. If you can donate, it would be absolutely amazing. It's on his Instagram, brendan.lawler1997. Um, or you can message my Instagram, tis yourself, and I will send you the link for the Just Giving page. And when I last check, it was nearly 7,000. So, you know, let's get him to 10 for his birthday. It would absolutely be incredible. Like fair play to him and I really have to thank him it's such a lovely time talking to him and I hope you enjoyed listening that is all I've time for on this episode if you've only listened to this one I do have another one I've released today um, if you go to the Spotify link or wherever you're listening to I have a little lady called Edel Lynch from Bewitched so you have to listen to that we had such also had such a good crack each of these have been you know a great laugh and very I learned a lot in such different ways um, but if you do want to get in contact do message me on Instagram or as I said the email is welltisyourself at gmail.com and I'd love to get some voice notes because as you heard at the start and you will hear now in a sec um, Irish phrases words all that kind of stuff is you know it's part of tis yourself you know it's you know embracing our Irishness and our uniqueness and the way we speak and if you have a phrase that you haven't heard do feel free to send to me in a voice note and you might hear it in an upcoming episode until next time until next Saturday that's all from me do hit follow subscribe like all that kind of stuff um, and come follow me on Instagram but I'll chat to you next week go on good luck goodbye bye 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 good luck Slauncher.